This is the official Caps Chirp Podcast, proudly a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. What's going on, Caps fans? It's me, the Hockey Troll, and I am back with another Thursday, incredible Thursday episode, where I have big news. Caps fans, as you know, usually we do an interview on this Thursday, and I am happy to report that I haven't found not only one, but two Columbus Blue Jackets fans that, one, agreed to talk to me, which is a huge hurdle, and then two, have their own podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network, uh, and I'm super excited to talk to them. Uh, we, they do exist. Columbus Blue Jackets fans do exist. They have a pretty storied history, apparently, that we're going to learn about in Columbus. So uh, if you're an OG here, you know that this is something that we're going to be doing every Thursday, <clears throat> or at least I'm going to try. Sorry, I'm also feeling a little under the weather, so if my voice is a little weird, uh, that's why. But, you know, I do it all for you, Caps fans. So let's pop some tabs and get into it. One, two, three. All right, adding to the stream right now is Jeremy Paul and Laura of the subjectively, what is it, subjectively, right? Good work. Okay, yes. Yes, sir. Subjectively, or sorry, subjectively speaking, subjectively speaking podcast on the Hockey Podcast that we're repping the Columbus Blue Jackets. And if you're looking for them, it's at CBJ, E-C-T, actively, actively, right? So, when I heard you say it, Jeremy, I was like, oh, that makes totally a lot of sense. Like, I get what they're going <laughs> you're, at. Hey, you're not the only one. I We we probably spend a lot of our time telling folks how to actually say it. Um, when we ever, whenever we tell people, like, how to spell it, we're always just, like, see me objectively. Like, we just kind of go with whatever we can. Right. <laughs> Where I'm, like, always like, I don't care what you call us. As long as you call us, that's, that's what matters. So. <laughs> exactly. Okay, good stuff. Well, awesome. I mean, um, I guess let's start it off. All right. Caps fans are probably ignorant to the fact that Columbus has a pretty big following within their city. You know, um, what Columbus is like, what, the fifth largest city or something in the United States? Something crazy. I remember hearing 15th. that. 15th. 15th. Okay, my bad. I'll give you, I'll, I'll, I take that. I take that, <laughs> that raise. But yeah, top 15, though, it ain't bad. It ain't bad. It's a lot bigger of a, of a city than people know it to be. And so, yeah, pretty, pretty big following. Laura, I mean, I, I think you would agree that, that, Columbus sports fans are passionate. If you've heard of Ohio State University, I won't say the. I'm not like one of those elitists, but uh, <laughs> you know that sports in Columbus are a pretty big deal. So it, it follows over to the hockey team. Absolutely. Yeah, we we definitely. Um, it's it's definitely not in the middle of a cornfield like all of the uh, Johnny Goudreau <laughs> memes uh, from this past summer. Uh, we we are a legitimate city. Uh, we have an absolutely beautiful arena, and yeah, we on good nights we get a good almost twenty thousand fans in there. So, absolutely, I have been to Nationwide a couple times, and actually, I'll be ha- I'll be traveling there on the thirty first of January to watch the Caps game. So, um, that'll be a good time. <clears throat> I've been to Columbus a few times. The arena district's pretty cool. Crazy story I have. I'm ready to drop something crazy on you. Okay, so um, Brothers, oh, the bar in the arena district, right? Um, kind of a bro bar, but I was there one night getting, you know, intoxicated, sure. of course. And <laughs> we were having a night out on the town uh, and it was for, uh, they used to have a, a big Rock on the Range concert at the Crew Stadium, oh, which yeah. is Columbus's soccer team, right? Um, mm-hmm. 
So was there, we were after that or like night before or whatever, we were going out. No joke. I saw a guy. So Brothers is right in front of a four-way intersection. I saw some poor schmuck cross the street diagonally in one, what may be at that time the busiest intersection in Columbus at, at that time and get absolutely walloped by a car. He got hit by a car oh. and did like a crazy flip and like landed on his head and was literally in the gutter, like spazzing out and, you know, foaming at the mouth and like people stopped, but like traffic was still going. Nobody really stopped to help this guy because they didn't want to touch him in case he had like, you know, he was fucked up in some way. Sure. Ambulance ended up coming and I don't know. I'm guessing the conversation went like, I can't afford an ambulance ride. So they got him up on his feet and he fucking walked off. I can't believe it, dude. He got, you know, head over heels crushed by a car. Oh my God. <laughs> See, that's where I like would have just like milked that for all it was worth. I <laughs> like... Well, it was before like cell phone oh. cameras were that great. So like we were sure. just standing there like, holy, f- how did that even happen? Uh, wild oh stuff God. for sure. So um, that's my Columbus story going out and partying in Pedestrians Columbus. don't know how to act in the arena district. And I'll I say know. that as like a proud pedestrian in the arena district <laughs> on nights where I probably shouldn't be crossing roads. Like, like there's no, there's no decorum with, with folks down there. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyways, that's my wild story. And it's funny cause I just completely like thought about that while we were talking about the arena district. Um, but, but so I, I'd love to know about you guys. So like, I'm, tell us about your fandom. Like, did you, were you, have you been fans since the expansion or, you know, were you kind of newly fans? And then how did you get into podcasting? Yeah. So, so I can kind of take that to start. So I, it was probably, oh God, I was probably like six or seven, the first Blue Jackets game that I went to. Um, so I, I was uh, three years old when the Jackets expanded in the NHL. So don't have a ton of memory of it all coming together and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I just remember like, it's one of those things where I think a lot of hockey fans probably can say, like, you go to a game for the first time, you see it live, and it's just, like, it clicks. Oh, yeah. And for me, like, that was the case. Like, we're watching. It's the, it's the Columbus Blue Jackets. It's the Minnesota Wild. And, you know, close game. Jackets tie it up toward the end of the third. And my dad was like, oh, you, like, your first hockey game, you're going to get to see overtime. This is exciting. And ultimately didn't get to see overtime because Sergei Fedorov, who – former Blue Jacket and and member of the Capitals, right? Yeah. People probably never think about when they think about Sergei Fedorov. Actually scored the game-winning goal, won the game for the Jackets. I started off spoiled. I think I won like the first three or four games that I went to, which in no way, shape, or form is representative of what it's been like for me to be a Blue Jackets fan since then. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it was fun while it lasted there. But, yeah, I mean, it's just – it's taken off from there. My family – uh, did the whole like bought into season tickets uh, the first year they made the playoffs. And from there, just kind of like went to as many games as I could, learned as much as I could about the game. I can't skate to save my life. Like I never played the game. So like for me, it really is just like a love of the game from the stands. Like I've never really gotten the chance to, to give it a twirl. So uh, maybe one day I'll learn how to skate. They, what do they say about old dogs and new tricks? We'll see if it happens. But until then, just hanging out in the stands, watching the brackets play okay hockey sometimes. Trust me, with the with the whole people that play beer league, you you could definitely hang. Don't don't figure don't it give, out. Give maybe. yourself some credit. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, Laura, what about you? Yeah, so I came along much further into the into the circumstance. So Jeremy and I actually met working at a university here 
um, in central Ohio. And um, we had been friends for a couple of years. And he today, ironically, is actually my hockey anniversary. Uh, five years ago today, I went to my very first Blue Jackets game. Oh, wow. Um, basically, he had season tickets and it was winter break time. So like, all of his other hockey friends were like not in town. And so he was like, will you please just come to this game with me? Please just come. I don't want to go by myself. And so I begrudgingly went because I sports were not a thing in my life prior to this circumstance. Like I wasn't a sports person, didn't like my family wasn't. And so we go to this game and I would say basically like by the second intermission, it was over. Like I was, <laughs> I was hooked. I was done. I was like, when are you going to take me again? Like, when do I get to come again? Um, I had just never experienced anything like that before. And like, one of the things that we love the most about the Blue Jackets, like community is like, it's just, they're just such good people. Like, and so the community aspect was like right away, like, people around us like found out it was my first game and like they were so friendly and like wanted to tell me all about stuff. And similarly to Jeremy, like I got pretty lucky because my first game, they also won. So um, I was like, Oh, this could happen all the time. (laughs) Like this is so exciting. It doesn't, it doesn't happen all the time. Um, But so yeah, essentially uh, yeah. December 20th, 2017 um, was when this, obsession began and then it kind of just rolls along from there and Jeremy can tell the story of how we got into doing the actual podcast. Yeah. I'd love to know yeah, that yeah. because you're going, you're going to, you got like triple digit epis now, right? Yeah. one yeah, fifty. Well, we actually released it today. Yeah. one fifty today. <laughs> congrats. Congrats. It's wild. Good shit. I mean, it was one of those things. So I, I had been doing something on my own. I, I was doing, I, it was a podcast called lion change and I, um, you know, I work in higher education. Like I have like a, a pretty like big passion for, um, you know, like just like expanding access to things and like just trying to make a, a lot of things more accessible. And one of those things being, of course, hockey is just such an inaccessible sport to so many different people for so many different reasons. And so, so highlighting true. that and like talking about that was something that I really enjoyed to do. And, and we still do that on this show quite a bit. And so, um, you know, I was doing that you know, did an interview with Curtis Gabriel, um, who a lot of folks would would know a lot of the work that he does in the community. Um, Had a lot of fun doing that kind of stuff. And I just like also like missed, I just wanted to talk about Blue Jackets hockey. Like I wasn't getting that chance really all that much. And so it was it was the COVID shortened season. We're not the COVID shortened season, the the 56 game season um, and and whatever that was for all of us. But uh, obviously fans weren't allowed to go to games. We couldn't do any of that kind of stuff. And like Laura said, I mean, very quickly we became partners in going to games, right? Like we were like, oh, every game we're going together and we're gonna we're gonna talk about the game on the way home. It's gonna be great. And obviously like didn't really have that, right? So season starts and I'm like, what the hell? Like, why don't we like do what we would normally do when we're driving home from a game and just like talk into a void? Like let's talk into a microphone. If people listen, they listen. If they don't, they don't. And it kind of just like grew from there, right? I mean, we I think we probably recorded Oh, it was a terrible idea. It was a terrible idea. We recorded <laughs> after every game. Like, we recorded Oof. an episode after every game doing a really quick, um, you know, just recap of the game, our thoughts and all that kind of stuff. And that's why we're at 150 and only <laughs> three seasons of covering the team. is like – because for the first 30 episodes, it was like one after every game. It was stupid. Right. Um, but we figured yeah, out our crazy. <laughs> We 
calm down. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that was kind of how it got going. The, we, we got reached out to by the network and that kind of like helped to legitimize us a little bit, I think. And, and the rest is kind of history. I mean, we've been really lucky. Like the Blue Jackets is an organization. I think this is part, part of the like allure of being a fan of a small market team or a smaller market team is they're like open to the access, right? I mean, like they like see the value of what shows like ours do for the team in terms of just getting people to tune in and 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 want to be a part of things. And so they've given us a ton of access that I don't think either one of us ever dreamed would happen when we started doing this show. Like it's, I keep telling people like this podcast feels like it's starting to fly close to the sun. Like it's like kind <laughs> of like it's become a little bit more work than I think either Laura or I ever thought it would. But we love that. I mean, like it's it's great that it's gotten to this point. And Laura, I'm sure I'm missing some details there about how this whole thing came about but oh yeah i mean i think when we when we got the initial contact from uh is his name brandon who contacted us from yeah, the network? yeah. yeah. wiki yeah wiki yeah yes i think so when we got the first initial contact from him through like a twitter dm i sent it to jeremy and was like i don't know if this is real or not <laughs> yeah and so like i need you to like check into it because the way we split things up is like jeremy very much show does like the business side of everything and i do more of the community service like social media management side of everything so i was like i don't know if this is real and i need you to check it out but we ended up meeting with him and he like and i'm sure they do this with everyone but made us feel really special because they had listened to some of our like recent episodes and at that point we'd really just felt like we had been speaking into the void because we'd only been in existence for like six months maybe not even that four or five um but yeah it it definitely like legitimized us in in a way that was really um unexpected and special and if you would have asked me when we started in January 2021 that one day I'd be standing in the grass beside a, an arena interviewing Rick Nash, I would have told you that you were crazy and that <laughs> um, that's definitely never going to happen. Uh, but yeah, we've been kind of on a, on a wild ride for this almost two years. That's amazing. I love everything about that story, especially like how you guys became fans. I think that uh, we talk about it all the time, and, and I think that most hockey people understand that like your first live game is really what what grips you, right? Um, for me, it was uh, junior hockey in Nebraska, watching that live, but it, it, it's always the live experience, which is unlike any other spectator sport. You know, you can go to a football game and like that shit is tame. Even if there's 10 fights in the stand, that's tame compared to an NHL game. Um, <clears throat> I, I totally totally understand what you're saying um and on top of that you know i love that uh it sounds like you know laura he created the monster and now he is or jeremy is your muse it's like it's like this crazy symbiotic relationship here uh that, that jeremy kind of started it is yeah. and i apologize to her often for it like whenever like especially seasons like this i'm like i'm sorry like i am sorry that you're in this because it's been rough this year but yeah it's it's definitely turned out that way i would say yeah it's definitely an indoctrination program that we've started because like (laughs) he got me into it and then i have a really good friend her name is megan that i call my like hockey child (laughs) because i i drug her to a game and again similar situation like she got all the bells and whistles like she got a game that we won she got overtime she got 
streamers that came down because that's what the blue jackets do when they win at home and like so she and she got like a huge fight and <laughs> at the end of that game she was like when can you take me again so right. we have these people that we've turned into these sort of like blue jackets um you know disciples and we do have to apologize from time to time because <laughs> it's it's been a lot of heartache over the last few years absolutely absolutely and i mean you know it's uh I find that hockey as a sport, it's kind of like being a zombie, right? You got to get up in close and like bite somebody to get them in. But once they're in, there's no turning back, right? So um, amazing stuff. It's it's definitely like a, a grassroots sport because people that watch it on TV are primarily confused, I think, by the speed. I mean, sure. they can tell like obviously this takes talent, but I really don't get the excitement of it because I'm so fucking confused at this point. But uh, seeing it in person and like watching it all kind of take place in like the orchestra of what a hockey game is and guys are jumping over the bench and the goalie, what the hell is he, how is he even standing and like, what is this, you know, all of the things and and the excitement as well. And then when somebody scores a goal or a fight happens, I mean, it's the adrenaline, the the rush is like none other uh, as a spectator, right? So good stuff. I love this story. You guys are awesome. Um, But we've referenced a couple of times how terrible the blue jackets are right now um, oh, do, we have to, do we have to talk about it <laughs> I, I mean we're, I, we kind of have to talk a little bit about the teams that we're oh, here. Fine. um so <clears throat> you know i guess we can go with a softy you know who is your favorite columbus blue jacket player and why is it rick nash <laughs> <laughs> i mean for me like rick i mean like it's hard for rick not to be because like i was like i was the age where you like kind of idolize sports like figures when buddy rick i'm still at the really, age like, where i idolize sports that's figures true. That's I'm, I'm a child yeah that's I get fair it. i yeah. i mean i remember god i oh god how old was i at that point i i could look it up like to see when he signed this contract but there was a year the year that Rick Nash signed his like long-term contract that like stayed in Columbus for like two or three years most mm-hmm. before he got traded to New York. Um, you know, I, as, as my dad was a season ticket holder, he was like, Hey, like I got invited to do this like call in show to like listen to a Q and a, like, cause that was what access was back, like, right. <laughs> back then before social media. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he was like, if you want to listen to it, you can. And so like, I, I grabbed his phone and I was listening to it and you know, Rick wasn't one of the guys in the Q and a panel, but it was, um, a handful of other guys, uh, I think like Derek Dorsett might have been on the on the panel at that time, and other players like that. And so, um, little like preteen Jeremy was like, "I'm gonna hit the button to ask a question." <laughs> and I like hop on, and I was like, "I was like, hey, like, what's it like? Probably six octaves higher." Um, you know, like, hey, how exciting is it to get a guy like Rick Nash? And this is how I should have known that I was gonna like do a podcast one day. Like, how exciting right. is it to get a guy like Rick Nash like signed for a long term? Um, and probably a lot less elegant of a way than that. But like, that's the kind of thing where I like all time Rick Nash has to be has to be the guy for me, like just because of the significance of of him and Columbus and that kind of stuff. But there are a couple of guys who have come close to rivaling that, I will say, over the last few years. And Laura, what about you? So I, I do I do love Rick. I had to learn about Rick because I came in, obviously, when he was no longer playing um, and actually ended up shortly retiring from hockey, I think in my f- second or third season of being a fan. Um, but I fell hard and fast for Mr. Cam Atkinson. And mm. it probably took me, I don't know, six or seven games, Jeremy, before you asked me who my favorite player was and like, no hesitation. I was like, number 13, Cam Atkinson. Um, 
he just is and will forever be like the epitome of a Columbus Blue Jacket for me. Like he loves the city. Like he's done so much for Columbus. Um, he's big in community. He's a really nice guy, which is important for me because I think something that I dealt with like growing up is like not always having the best like view of athletes and like how they mm -hmm. are and how they interact with the world. And there's a lot I could say about that, but I don't want to bore people about it. But like, I didn't always have the greatest like outlook on athletes and like being able to see Cam and all he did in his time in Columbus. Um, he just like won me over because it made hockey more than just a sport for me. It made it like a community situation. And um, that was just really impactful. And you can ask Jeremy because we were together in the same room when we found out that he was being traded to Philadelphia and my heart broke into a million pieces. <laughs> that, was not good. that was not a good moment. <laughs> yeah. I, I hear you. And, and, you know, that's a, that's a guy you guys drafted and, and put through the system, right? He was a farm raised guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's, and so yeah. it's funny because Cam Atkinson has, has fucked me in fantasy one year, that year that he came back off injury and was like, I was like, Oh my God, Cam or, or no, it was, after is like one of one of his career high years. I'm like, oh my god, Cam Atkins yeah. is going to score like 100 points on Columbus. Like he's going to be like the shining star of of Columbus for sure. And then I think he got injured, and it was just like he had a he yeah. had a lackluster season. The guys had a lot mm -hmm. of bad luck throughout his career, to be completely honest. And I mean, even in Philly, it follows him. Um, you know, mm -hmm. he's not a huge player, uh, but he plays with like grit and tenacity, and I think that gets him banged up every once in a while. But oh, yeah. uh, you know, I love the mind over matter mentality. I respect Cam Atkinson. I think he's a he's a, a really good player. So, um, you know, that's amazing stuff. I'm glad I was at least one one for on uh, on the Rick Nash comment because I knew I was I was like I'm gonna ask them this in this way and see like what they say. Yeah, gotta... I mean, you have safe bet, safe bet. I like right. it. I like it. Yeah, and having been able to be in his presence when we were at the uh, Traverse City Prospect Tournament this past fall. Like, he is just the most gracious, like, nicest man. Like, we, when we did the um, sort of like the request to interview him, they're just like, yeah, Rick's down for whatever. Like, you get this amount of time and he's good and, like, looks, gives you, like, looks you straight in the eye, great eye contact, like, you know, things you don't necessarily expect. Um, but he just, we both walked away from that being like, that was just the most magical experience that we have ever had. Um, meeting someone that we look up and idolize and is like Blue Jackets legend yeah. situation. So, I mean, the equivalent for Capsans would be like Ovechkin, you know, honestly, like because uh, Rick Nash absolutely yeah. most of the records scoring uh, and mm -hmm. both points and assists, I believe. So <clears throat> that's uh that's crazy that you got, I mean, that's so awesome. Happy for you guys. Uh, I wish I could get that type of access. It's amazing. It, I mean, it's, I, if I had a dollar for every time that once we got into the car, leaving the arena, I just said, Holy fuck. We just interviewed Rick Nash. Holy <laughs> it's like constant. So, I mean, I'm still even like it's happened and it was at this point four or five months ago, but still to this, I'm still like in disbelief that it happened. And, um, yeah, we're grateful. We don't take it for granted, but we're, we're really grateful for the access that the team provides. That's definitely a core memory for sure. That's so good. Um, oh yeah. All right. So onto the bad stuff, you know, look, <laughs> the Columbus blue jackets have been making waves with pieces that they've been adding over the past couple yeah. of seasons, right. You know, getting line a 
you know, it was a one for one for uh, Pierre Luc Dubois, right? And then mm-hmm. uh, Jack Rosovic. So yeah. yeah, and Rosovic. So they, yeah. you know, that was a good one. I mean, I thought, <clears throat> you know, I think that was about as fair as a trade as you could get, and both teams were supposedly going to benefit from it. Um, and then Johnny Gaudreau, who. Now, can you verify this rumor? I heard that the reason that he signed with Columbus is because the children's hospital and that his wife is a nurse there. And she was like, this is what I, I want to be in pediatrics. Is that is there any truth to that? There is actually. Um, so we refer to that day as the day that the Blue Jackets broke the hockey world. Yeah. Um, because I don't think people will ever stop talking about it. But and this came from like a person who has absolutely no hockey knowledge and who I'm taking to his first game in March. But my father read an article about Johnny's wife, Meredith, and was like, I heard that she's like this really great nurse and wants to work like after she's done with her maternity leave, wants to work in the children's hospital. And he like sent it to me and I was like, yeah, no, that's legit. Like she definitely, so we have like one of the things we can tell about Columbus is we have incredible hospitals and medical and healthcare facilities. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, and the children's hospital in particular, like is one of the biggest in the country. Um, So it is, yeah, it is true that um, that's part of the reason why they decided to come to Columbus. And as much as it blows everyone's mind, um, even ours still to this day to oh. see him in a blue jackets uniform. Um, it was, it was all about family as Johnny's said over and over again, like all about the future of their family to decide and come to Columbus. Dude, that is such a fucking crazy move. Like no offense to his wife, but I'm sure that the money that <laughs> yeah. he could have gotten per year anywhere else would have eclipsed her close to her like lifetime earnings, uh, over the life of his contract, you know, cause he was probably looking at like three more million if you were to go somewhere else uh, that, re- you know, that was really opening the purse strings for him. You know, I've got, you know, thinking about teams like Philly, the guy, the ones that don't have anything going for him, you know, um, it's, it's crazy. That's so good. Um, it's definitely a feel good story for sure. And I love that you guys mm-hmm. have that. Um, so tell us about the team, um, you know, got line A, got Gaudreau, uh, but, after that, where does where does the lineup go? Well, it depends on if you're asking me this question in October or if you're asking me this question <laughs> right now. Because the Jackets, I mean, it's it's comical to an extent. And I hate to use that term when I'm talking about injuries. But, I mean, leading the league in man games lost, which is already a downer when you're such a young team. But um, I want to say that going into last night's game against Dallas, the Jackets starting lineup had nine players who had played less than 100 NHL games. Wow. Seven that had played less than 50, including Daniil Tarasov, who's been starting in net right now. I mean, it's it's just like that is the story, I think, in Columbus. But overall, like when we talk about what what's there, I mean, you've got Zach Orensky, who, uh, you know, folks might have a conversation about whether or not he's overpaid if Columbus played a, paid a little bit of a luxury tax to keep him there. I, I would hear that out. I would I would have that conversation. But uh, Zach Orensky is, is – good i mean you've got young defensemen in adam boquist and you know potentially jake bean like we don't know where he what he's going to turn into but andrew peak is somebody who who has played pretty exceptionally well in in the absence of four out of our six starting blue liners to start the season so i mean those are the guys when you look at the defense who are who are really great but really the story of this team is 
I think the prospect pool specifically at forward, right? So, so you've got players like Cole Sillinger who had an outstanding first year in the league, uh, you know, up there along the likes of Pierre-Luc Dubois and Rick Nash in terms of just points production, but also just like being an 18 year old in the league and, and just playing so well, being the only full-time NHLer out of that draft class after his draft year, uh, Kent Johnson. I mean, like, I feel like if, if you pay attention to college hockey or even to like world junior hockey, I mean, you know who Kent Johnson is, you know, you know, he's dynamic and you know, he's going to be a great playmaker. And then you've got Kuro Marchenko, who is a, a great prospect for the Jackets. Who's, who's just now finally cracking the lineup. He was in Russia for a really long time and now he's over here. And then you get guys who are like your Gus Nyquist, your um, somebody who's an unsung hero, I think, for the Jackets is their captain, Boone Jenner. Uh, I don't think Boone Jenner gets enough credit around the league for being <laughs> as dynamic as he is. I mean, guys got – I mean, not like he's anywhere close to the league leading goals, but he's leading the team in goals uh, with 11 goals this season. So he's got more than, than Johnny Hockey. I mean, he's, he's dynamic. He's our first-line center when he's healthy, but he just broke right. his thumb, so he's not healthy for the next four weeks. <laughs> So, Laura, I'll throw it to you because I know you're passionate about the goaltending, but um, but and also just to wrap up uh, that forward core. Yeah, I mean, to, to put it simply, like we were cursed from the get-go. I mean, when Patrick Laine gets hurt within his first, I don't know, 10 minutes of our first game back in October, and that's kind of just like that's where the black cloud started building of this season, unfortunately, and – we've really been trying to like work with our fan community of like expectation versus reality, because obviously the signing of Johnny has brought so many new fans, like the Columbus Blue Jackets had their highest sending highest selling amount of season tickets this past summer. Like the second we signed Johnny, like the phones were ringing off the hook in the offices at nationwide. And you know, like, it's definitely not met the expectations of a lot of people. But I agree with Jeremy fully. Like, our rookie and prospects core is what's going to make the Columbus Blue Jackets over the next three to five years, like, a true playoff, not just a playoff contender, but a cup contender. Like, we have such a depth of talent that's, and even still in our AHL team and, like, and our other prospects that are coming up over the next three or five years, like, we're going to be a dangerous team to play against, but right now we are literally like every single, like every single bad thing people say about Columbus. We are right now. Yeah, which you, is... say we're gonna, you say we're going to become a dangerous team to play against. Right now we're just, it's dangerous when we take the ice. Like, literally. yeah, it's just, we're, a, we're <laughs> physically a hazard uh, when we take the ice, but um, you know, and Jeremy, it is kind of the joke that like goaltending is my passion. I absolutely like, love the goaltending position because I just think it's fascinating. Sure. And and because they're the only players that play the whole 60 plus minutes of the game usually. Right. Um, and I don't think, you know, even a mediocre goaltender, I don't think gets enough credit by the fact that they've just spent 60 minutes with tiny, hard, like objects being thrown at them from 80, 90 miles per hour. Like it's just an underrated position, I think for me, but Oh, Columbus goaltending is just a time. Um, we are currently we are currently with our uh, top two goaltenders not being in action. Uh, Jonas Corposalo got injured about a week and a half ago during a game, um, and he is week to week. 
And as of this afternoon, we found out that Elvis Merz-Lincolns, who has been the struggle story of the season so far, um, is out with COVID. So we're not even sure like when he'll be back in, but he's been passed over for our last three games. And Daniil Tarasov, who is would be traditionally our third string starter and be the starter for AHL's Cleveland Monsters, has had to step in and really just do the best that he can with a team that's not gelling well enough to defend in front of him. Um, and I think that speaks a lot to his young character. I mean, he's 23 years old. He's one of the youngest uh, goalies in the system right now playing actual NHL minutes. And he's stood on his head the last three games. Like we haven't won, but he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's kept it to us only losing by one or two goals in these situations. So he's kept us from getting blown out of the water. Um, but the real, and in, in this circumstance with us being in Philadelphia tonight, we had to call up another, our technical like fourth line goaltender, Jet Greaves, uh, to join them in Philadelphia because Elvis is very contagious. Um, right. But yeah, but Elvis Mers Lincoln's and his struggle is really the, uh, the big story of the season. And for me, it's both a like, I personally like love Elvis, but I'm also not going to say that there isn't something wrong. Um, and I don't feel confident that they're doing enough to figure out exactly what that is. Um, gotcha. Because he's definitely not playing up to his potential right now. Yeah, because, I mean, he's going through a bit of a sophomore slump, if I if I know a little bit. Um, now, <clears throat> he was an incredibly exciting goaltender for you last, last season. And, I mean, um, you know, I guess the the underlying question is like are you mad at management because the Columbus Blue Jackets while they were a expansion team like the Washington Capitals didn't get handed a team like the Vegas Knights or the Seattle Kraken uh which probably you know Caps fans are pissed off about that but <clears throat> I'm sure you guys are even more pissed off because you're like one of the most recent expansion teams to come into existence so you know, do you think management has done a good job with the Columbus Blue Jackets? I mean, for a while, you know, you, you've it's not like you've never sniffed the playoffs. Um, there were times where, you know, you were a threat for sure, even before the division realignment. But like, wh where does this all kind of, in your mind as fans, land? Yeah, I, I mean... You look at the first 10 years of this franchise, I mean, because we're still talking about a franchise that's under 25, right? I mean, right. it was just absolutely terrible mismanagement for, for a number of reasons, right? I mean, like, if you talk to any Blue Jackets fan, I mean, there was even worry about when they did Rick Nash's jersey retirement. There was worry that when Doug McClain was the part of those ceremonies that, like, Nationwide Arena was not going to react well to him <laughs> being there, which, of course, he's going to be there. He's the one that makes the draft pick for Rick Nash, right? right. But I, it, it's just one of those things where between that, um, you know, Scott Housen, I mean, Scott Housen, I will say, like, wrapped up his tenure pretty well with the Rick Nash trade. I mean, obviously, it broke our hearts, but, like, the assets that he acquired from that trade ultimately end up leading to things like Artemi Panarin and, and that kind of deal. So, so that like great, great end to his relatively rocky <laughs> tenure. But, but the thing about Jarmo Kekalainen that I, I really appreciated and, and, you know, 
has kind of like saved the way I feel about Blue Jackets management in a whole is, you know, whenever you hear a guy is out there, whenever you hear that, um, you know, you know, a guy's going to test free agency, it almost seems like always, and it, it, it might not even be legitimate, but like, Columbus is always somewhat around it. Like the Bo Horvat stuff. I mean, it was rumored that the Jackets might be in a Bo Horvat. I mean, there was a little bit, a little bit of smoke when with Johnny Goudreau, like at first, and then it kind of dissipated. But, um, you know, the management is always involved. They're always trying to make this team better. And the way that they've drafted has been exceptional. Like I, I will say there have been a handful, like, I mean, Yarma's first draft bad, like not good. But since then, you look at some of the things he's gotten out of out of later in round picks. I mean, Oliver Bjorkstrand is somebody who was drafted. I, he's a third round pick. I want to say obviously he's not with the team anymore, which shatters Laura and I <laughs> because he's just like maybe one of the more underrated players in the league. But um, you know, you look at that, and then you look at guys that he was able to get like in in later rounds who were just like there. I mean, Jordan Dumay is somebody he drafts in the third round this year, and he's tearing up the CHL. Hopefully, it transfers. Like, and so for that reason, I love Yarmo. I have some thoughts about like what the team is doing right now in terms of prospect management. Like I'm not loving what's going on in terms of, I mean, this team sucks. Like this team is not (laughs) making the playoffs. This team is not doing anything productive. So the only thing they need to focus on this year is developing those young guys. And I don't know that they're doing what they need to do to make that a reality. Like I no disrespect to Gus Nyquist, but like every single time I watched Gus Nyquist take first line minutes, I was like, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> Can we please get somebody up there who who's going to be there in the foreseeable future? I mean, those are the kind of things that really bother me with Blue Jackets management. But I'll say now, I mean, like Yarmo Kekalainen is one of the better GMs in this league. I mean, it depends on the day whether or not I think he's the best. But, um, you know, he's sneaky. He does stuff that you don't expect like trading away your favorite player, Laura. Like he does stuff like that every day that you're just like not ready for. And that keeps it fun. That keeps it fun for sure. Absolutely. So Laura, did you have something to add to that? Oh no. I was just going to say like one of the things, I mean, I, I thought for sure after the cam situation that I would never love Yarmo again. Um, It changed because I did grow to love Jakob Voracek. Um, But we, Similarly in fashion, we got the opportunity to interview Yarmo in kind of a very crazy circumstance. Wow. Um, and so we interviewed him actually right before this past summer's draft. Um, he was literally leaving for Montreal like the day after we were uh, recorded with him. But one of the things that he said in our interview was something that regardless of how long he stays with Columbus, I will I'll always respect him for this. And he said that one of his biggest priorities is that he always takes the time to learn about a prospect's life outside of the rink and how they are as a person, how they are within their family, within their friend group, like what their history is within, you know, all the other things that they do outside of hockey, because he doesn't want to bring in a player just because they have this incredible skill. Cause if they're a, not great person off the ice. He doesn't want to bring that into whatever franchise he's working for because he values his players to not only be of the, of the top caliber, but also that they are good people and that they will bring a positive attribute to whatever community he's bringing them into. So like for me, and I know for Jeremy too, like that was something that really 
like ingrained in us, like the kind of person that he is and the way that he looks at the game. That's incredible, man. I mean, uh, I, I didn't know that about him, but, uh, you know, I do know that culture is huge. I think DC has a great culture built around their team. Um, and you know, that's from ownership on down. <clears throat> and if you look at Columbus, you know, no offense, but uh, you know, I can't really identify through the years, like what identity Columbus has, right? What kind of team are they really? Like some years they're a checking team. Other years they're trying to be like a little bit more finesse. Who knows uh, what the hell is going on in Columbus, right? I mean, they're kind of a, uh, just a blank page. So I definitely think that, uh, that identity and cult- it starts with your culture. And I think that, you know, hey, it sounds like, and you would know best that, that Columbus is on the right track. But uh, hockey fans, you know what else is on the right track? DraftKings Sportsbook. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays, combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot in an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. <clears throat> so, you guys like that? You guys that was well that done. Too. That was really well done. I text. I actually texted Laura on the side. I always try to do the same thing. I always try to work it in like a... <laughs> A very conversational way. And so I texted Laura the second you started reading. I said, that was well done. I love doing, I love doing it. So like with that ad read, like most people that aren't in the network, like they don't give a shit. They're just like, oh, it's the ad read now. But yeah, like everybody sure. who's in the network, they know because we all have the same ad read folks. Uh, but remember, use code THPN and thank us later. <laughs> exactly. 100%. Um, that's, I mean, you guys had some great insight about management, about, about what the identity of the team is looking forward. So, you know, to kind of end that conversation, like, are you tanking for better or what? Like what's, is it tank? I mean, it seems like tank season. Uh, yeah, I think it's very fair to say it's tank season. I, you know, we always talk about like, we're never like pro tank, right? Like obviously I think that's hard. Like when you're a sports fan, it's like hard, even when you know your team is not there, it's like hard to be like, you know, it'd be cool with those last 51 games. Oh, and 51, like let's make it (laughs) oh and 51. Like let's call it a day. Like that would be miserable. Right? Like, so obviously you want to see, you know, a spark here and there, but yeah, I mean, I, you don't want to, this team has like, just, it's notorious for like putting together runs at the end of a season that end up costing them draft capital. And that's the last thing I want to see them do. Right. Like, (laughs) I the year that John Tortorella was hired, they started the season 0 and 8. I mean, they're absolute dog shit. They're not mm-hmm. anywhere near good. Right. And they finished the last I think the last 15 games, they were like 13-1 and 1. It was like, "What the fuck are you guys doing?" <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like like why why is this what, what you're doing right now? And so, um that's what I don't want to see happen, but it's also I appreciate that you think that there is a possibility that we would win the draft lottery like the Jackets like have never so they've picked first overall once Mm -hmm. but have never won the draft lottery that rick nash pick came courtesy of a trade with florida where they swapped the three and the one 
for future considerations, which is still crazy to me. Like, could you imagine that happening in today's NHL? And it's only been 20 years. Like, right. And then the, the consideration was if the Panthers had a worse draft spot in the first round the following year, that the two teams would flip. Well, the, the Panthers ended up with the worst record. They ended up with the better draft pick in the next year's draft. And so nothing happened. It was literally just a swap of the first and the third pick. And Columbus gets Rick Nash out of it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, here's hoping. I mean, like, even the year that they were, like, their worst year in franchise history, and I think the only time I think they finished 30, 30th in the league, because at that time no expansion teams, was the Niall Yakupov draft. Uh, yeah. And – because like why not like right like no generational talent there um and they lost it to edmonton so edmonton picked yakupov and we grabbed ryan murray but um but yeah not a lot of draft lottery luck in columbus so even even a tank might not guarantee Connor bedard so i've been i've been trying to get uh infatuated with uh adam fantilli and like all the other guys who are still pretty good at the top of that draft class because that feels more likely to me than, than Connor Bedard does. But imagine him between Patrick Lyon and Johnny Goudreau, right? I mean, right, and, and that was another thing. Like, I mean, I was just going to say, you guys have pieces, right? Like, you've got you've got Line who, man, I respect the fuck out of Patrick Line throughout his entire career in Winnipeg because he's always bet on himself. He's always been like, you know, yeah, I could take a lower annual average, but I could get eight years somewhere in Winnipeg, wherever it may be. But he just continually takes these short-term contracts and is just like, well, I'll just be better next contract. So at this point in his career, I feel like he's got to start nailing down something longer, like like over five years. Um, <clears throat> and then you have Gaudreau. So you've got these guys who are really looking for a permanent home. And in those two, I feel like you can build a team around two of those two guys. Uh, at least on the offensive side of the puck. On the defensive side, obviously, goaltending and defense is going to be a whole nother you know, ball of wax. But as far as offensive powerhouses, uh, you have a couple pieces and then you mix in maybe some high draft picks like Bedard or, or even, you know, the top, one of the top five forwards that are available in this next year's draft. And then maybe another year, um, you know, I, I believe, you know, it's the NHL, the, there, the parody is real. There's, there are real, um, you know, it's not like the NBA where it's like the same three teams every year that are that are going to be competitors uh, or even the NFL. I think that the NHL is the most competitive league out there, um, especially when it comes to parity. So, <clears throat> you know, I, I anybody can do it. It's just you need a GM. And it seems like, you know, like Steve Eisner and Joe Sackick are kind of like those guys right now that are like bouncing around amongst teams and like building powerhouses. But they've definitely ironed out at least a game plan for for this to happen um so yeah i mean anything on that i mean are you are you excited for that or i mean no offense but there's only one direction you guys can go right correct right. <laughs> yeah the hopefully the only way is up and not just continual of the bullshit that we're going through right now but um, to speak on Patrick Line, and I think Jeremy will agree with this. Jeremy's been on the Patrick Line train from the moment that we got Patrick Line in the trade with Pierre Luc Dubois. Um, I, however, have not been on the Patrick Line train. Um, conflict. It took me quite a long time to warm up to Patrick being a part of our team. And I think if you look at how he's changed as a player over these last two seasons with the Blue Jackets, I think. Um, and I will, you know, go to the end of his career saying this, that Columbus has made Patrick Line a better player. Um, I think he had a very different role in Winnipeg where he got to be, 
you know, sort of the shining star. And like, he got to focus kind of strictly on what he was doing on the ice. And Columbus has really made him realize that, you know, sometimes you have to be like an overall player. Like you have to be defensive, offensive, you have to pay attention to your teammates. Like, and that if you work together, like things can really become beautiful and you can have a lot of success. And he struggled with that. He really struggled with it under John Tortorella um and in that circumstance i mean we were just jeremy and i were just talking the other day since torts just benched uh kevin hayes it's in a very similar fashion to benching patrick line in his um first season with the blue jackets but i think how we've turned around this situation and patrick has said it in you know numerous interviews because similar to johnny people are always like why why like why are you staying and why do you like playing here and he you know i think he's just really found that he's grown as as a person and as a professional under columbus and regardless of how long he stays i think he knows that will be a big part of his success in the future because we've made him more well-rounded and you know Obviously, we'd love if he, I would now love if he stayed forever. Um, but in the end, we'll be a big part of his history, which I think is really cool. Absolutely. No, I I, I totally agree. And I mean, you're looking at Patrick Laine and, and he's like, what's wild is like the, the kid's only 24. <laughs> like you're going to, I mean, yeah. If it's if it's if I'm Columbus, I'm locking that guy in eight years, right? Like get him for his prime and beyond, um, especially with the new cap bumps that we're about to see with the next three years. I don't know if you guys have caught wind of that, but it's, mm-hmm. it could be up in by year three. It could be up a whole nine to ten million from what it is now. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, you got these teams have cash to burn. Um, so, no, I mean that's that's all great stuff. Now, I guess moving away from the dumpster fire that is the Columbus Blue Jackets, at least right now, <laughs> at least for right now. Um, sure. You know what? It, I think that, you know, the, of all the teams that suffered the most out of the realignment, it was probably Columbus w- was one of the, one of the hardest suffering because you got thrust into the hardest division in all of hockey, which is the metropolitan. I think that it's the most competitive division. If you look at the standings right now, everybody's within like five or six points of each other, which is, Fucking crazy considering New Jersey has been an absolute wagon since the beginning of the year. Right. You know, um, so <clears throat> the the East, first of all, is is OP. And then you have the the most competitive division within the East, which is the Metro. Um, you know, what are your outlooks on, you know, do you watch other teams every once in a while? Uh, mm-hmm. I try to every, is when I can and, and you know take in some games or at least follow some highlights and news and kind of have to, because, you know, we, we do podcasts on hockey, but, uh, (laughs) you know, like, uh, what's your thoughts on, on how the Metro is going to shape up? You're, you're kind of out of the fray and kind of in an, uh, subjectively or objectively, right. (laughs) Uh, uh, viewpoint on how the division is shaping up. So what's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, we, I think, are about as unbiased of a party at this point uh, in the division. I mean, even Philadelphia, you could make a case, is less less so out of it than we are, although we all know that they're, they're just about as out of it as we are. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, I you could tell me in April that any one of those 
I'm going to say right now when you're looking at it, the top four teams, like you could tell me that any of those teams won. I mean, Pittsburgh to me has like been interesting because like they they started the season like kind of like up, down, up, down, up, down. They they kind of seem like they found it a little bit here over the course of the last few weeks, which has been, um, I mean, like I feel this way about both Pittsburgh and Washington. Like I will never count either of those two teams out until they tell me I should. Like right. I – as long as you've got a team that has Alexander Ovechkin and a team that has Sidney Crosby on it, I have no like reason to believe that those teams can't be competitive. I mean, even the Caps, where I feel like you you've probably felt this way, like it seems like there's probably been games that have frustrated you more than others. But but even the Caps, I mean, at any moment, I think can find their groove and and you know kind of just take off. It seems like they've kind of found a little bit of footing here over the course of the last few weeks. That was a good win against Detroit, I felt, the other night. Yeah, um, it's and huge. So, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, that, and that's a good Detroit team. And so I – man, it's interesting. I mean, the Rangers, I still think the Rangers might be playing a little bit of pretender. I mean, but Igor Sturgeon's the story there. If he gets hot, that team gets hot. So, I mean, it's one of sure. those things where I don't want to count them out either, but – yeah, I mean, New Jersey's been my surprise. I, I kind of tell folks, like, Columbus and New Jersey, to me, were kind of on a similar trajectory in the sense of, like, bad at the same times and maybe picking up assets at the same time. And I even, I mean, the, the drama of where's Johnny going to sign and he doesn't sign in New Jersey or Philadelphia, which pisses those guys off. Um, I <laughs> yeah. thought we were going to be a better team than Jersey this year. I'm like, and I look like an asshat for saying that right now, but, like, I – Last year they were supposed. To, that's when they were supposed to take off, right? Like the Jersey train was taken off last year, and it didn't. Right. And so I was like, I don't know that it will this year. And obviously, I'm wrong. Like obviously, it has taken off in just an absolute crazy way. I mean, I don't love the Devils, but I there's a lot of pieces there that I love. Like I Dawson Mercer might be one of my favorite players in the Metro. Like I really like watching him play. That's a good team. I think they'll end up. I think they'll end up falling out of it. I think you're going to get a more experienced team is going to win the Metro, whether that's, you know, whether that's Pittsburgh or, you know, hell, even the Canes. I mean, the Canes can come up. I mean, especially if Frederick Anderson gets healthy too. Um, so we'll see. I mean, that was my way of saying that it's really anybody in that top five race, not really a lot of helpful insight. Laura, what, what else have you got on the Metro? Well, I mean, I, I, in similar vein, uh, I'm not going to, you, you would know the author from the athletic that just told us in the summer that blue, the, the blue jackets were going to be absolute garbage. And we were all mad at him. He was <laughs> right. Dom with kitchen. Dom yes. with kitchen, everybody. Um, he was right. But in that same breath, similarly to you, Jeremy, I was like, we're going to be better than the devils. And, you know, network friend, Neil, uh, who hosts the devil's state of mind podcast, like, yeah, uh, definitely is living his best life right now with how well the Devils are doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, we are the most unbiased at this point. Like, we're just kind of spectators. But I think, you know, the Islanders have struggled for the last couple of years, and I think they're going to make a resurgence probably. Like, may not necessarily be this season because I think they're still rebounding from their weird circumstances last year with adjusting to the new arena and having so many away games in the start of the season, but like, you know, the devils may fall off. Like the hurricanes have a really like sneaky way of like coming back full force in the second half of a season and just completely dominating um, as most, as much as they're like post game celebration, like 
irritates the crap out of me um <laughs> just from like a jealousy standpoint i'm like ooh, look at you and you're like cute little routines that you do after you beat the pants off of someone um but i do i think it's going to be kind of a race to the finish situation between those top five teams and it's going to be fun it's going to be fun to see and it's going to be some good hockey and like we need good hockey to watch outside of the bad <laughs> hockey that we are forced to watch. Right. So we're going to yeah. be paying a lot of attention, especially in the second half of the season. Absolutely. You know, I think, um, so uh, not to blow my own horn here or break my arm jerking myself off, but I had New Jersey being a, um, like a, a black swan event. I had them overperforming at the beginning. I, well, I said that we couldn't sleep on them. Now, did I think that they were going to be leading the Metro like two, two months in steady? Probably not. But I thought that like last division spot and wild card spot was probably theirs. <clears throat> and I, at, at the worst of that team, I thought they were going to play spoiler to a couple teams like the caps um, or the Penguins or the Islanders to to knock them out and let an Atlantic Division opponent come into a wild card spot. Um, the East is fucking wild right now. Obviously, you know, right now in the Metro, you've got uh, New Jersey, the Hurricanes, who never get talked about. Which you know, as much as they as they should be talked about, you've got Rod the Bod Brindamore just flexing constantly behind behind the bench. Uh, you 100%. know that gets me going for sure. And then you've got just a young, exciting team that can that with with a good sprinkle of grit and veteranship in there. And then Freddie Anderson, like you said, could be a game changer for them. That's probably why they're not leading. They're not you know pushing. Um, well, weren't pushing so hard on on New Jersey. <clears throat> to your point, Laura, I think that the Islanders are on their way down. We've talked to Grumpy Old Man on this podcast and TJ from the Islanders Never Say Die podcast. I don't know if you've you've had chance to interact with them, but they're mm-hmm. awesome. Um, they they are they have been out on this team for the since the Bar- since Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotz mm-hmm. took over. So <clears throat> I hope they're right because that would free up space, but. What worries yeah. me is like f- the Floridas of the world, Florida and Detroit coming into that last wild card spot is going to be a threat, right? Because you would think that ostensibly one of those teams is going to make a, a playoff spot, um, especially because you've got, you know, the Bruins and the Lightning kind of, you know, occupying the top two spots around that. So, of course. I hope the Penguins just crater and, and, you know, go on like a 50 game losing streak and then, you know, they're out of it completely. Honestly, it would it would only please me if Pittsburgh finished under Columbus this year. Uh, so <clears throat> which kind of brings me to my question. At this point. <laughs> right, right, right. So which would be, you know, I would just savor every bit of that. But, um, you know, it brings me to like the, the second point, like, you know. Again, we, we talked about Columbus lacking identity, which seems to be being built right now, which is great to hear. You know, I love teams that have, you know, something going for them, right? I mean, even Philly, who's mm-hmm. shitty, they're, you know, they've still got that kind of like, uh, <clears throat> you know, the the bullies kind of mentality or whatever. At least they like their, their franchise is attached to that kind of mythology. 
But, you know, Columbus mm-hmm. is you're in the kind of fledgling stages of creating that for yourself, like the equivalent uh, uh, for your for for the Blue Jackets. But who is your rival team? Like, who do you who drives you up the fucking wall? Yeah. You know, who is who it's, is that? Oh, we have we have so many. Right. <laughs> is it have... everyone because they come in and run roughshod? I mean, like, I you can't hate everyone. Right. I mean, who it's do you hard hate? Because. I think if you ask me who my rival was, like, or who, like, I perceive our rival to be, I don't think that that team would say they perceive their rival to be Columbus. Like, that's the hard part. I feel like rivalries have to be mutual. And I don't yeah. – I, I have a thought on okay. somebody. Laura, I'll let you go first because I know you have a lot of <laughs> I do in your heart for a lot I, of <laughs> I do yes. have a lot of hate in my heart. Let the rage um, come out. So, so naturally kind of as, like, a whole – Columbus fans think that Pittsburgh is our rival. I think that's more so of like a location situation. Like they're just like between them and Detroit, like they're just geologically closer to us or geographically closer to us. Um, Pittsburgh does not see us as their rival. They see us as an opportunity to get two easy points and (laughs) to have their fans be mean in our arena. Um, So like, that's not really man. Fucking. (laughs) Right. And we countered back and forth with like the caps being our rival, but I don't think you guys think that we're a rival to you. And it's all stems from like the playoffs a few years ago when we were in it and Brandon Holtby and like all that sort of stuff. Like, so I don't really think that is, they're, I think the NHL itself is trying to make Tampa our rival. Interesting. Um, just based on the fact of us sweeping them in the 2019, you know, first yes. round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But again, I don't think Tampa thinks that we're their rival either. I mean, but about Florida, like, yeah, yeah, right. I mean, they're they're Tampa Bay, which is like a nice area of Florida for sure. It's not, it's, there's still plenty of Florida men and women down there, but I, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I, you're right. I don't think any of those teams do think that you're a rival, but I guess, well, let me rephrase the question. What team do you fucking hate in the NHL? There's gotta be one and it could be, <laughs> oh, it could just can be I, anyone. Can I go first? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I fucking hate the Boston Bruins. Right, I will go. go to my grave screaming how much I hate the Boston Bruins. And, <laughs> and why? Why? There are, uh, first of all, I hate Brad Marchand. Um, <laughs> I think he, I just think he's a straight up asshole. And I'm sure that he does, he's a nice person. I'm sure he does good things off the ice. And Jeremy will make fun of me, but there's a pinnacle point where I really hated Brad Marchand. And it was <laughs> in the bubble. It was in the bubble when we were playing them. And he purposely broke Cam Atkins' stick. During a face-off, and I, from that point forward, I do not respect him, and I yell and scream every time he's on the ice because I just and I just, there's just something about him. The only redeeming quality is that they have our former captain who we will love forever, but even then, he sometimes is a dick. Now that he's a Boston Bruin, so yeah, he, yeah, he's kind of established that mentality himself. I, you know, out of all the teams, Laura, that you mentioned as being a potential rival, like Tampa is like you can make an argument that Columbus has taken something from Tampa. You like can. the other teams, like Columbus has never done anything to like 
take something away from a fan base to piss people off. Like, so I think there are probably some Tampa fans that do hate Columbus. Sure. That gives me a lot of joy. That makes me feel good inside. Um, <laughs> yes. I mean, for me, I, God, it's, it's probably Pittsburgh. And I know it's such a cop out. Hey, I'm with I that. I'm with that, baby. Pittsburgh. I fucking hate Pittsburgh. <laughs> I, I mean, fucking can't it, stand them. I, you know, I, I'll I'll start by giving kudos. I've been to I've been to is it used it was Verizon Center. What is it now? Uh, is it Capital One? Capital One. So yeah. I've been to Capital One. I went there when the Jackets were on their 16 game winning streak, and they went to Washington with the opportunity to tie the streak. And so my friend and I we drove down, caught the game. I was triggered by your ent- intro because the the Caps beat the Jackets five nothing in that game. It was terrible. <laughs> But every Caps fan was great. Like, nobody was an asshole. Like, everybody was cool. I enjoyed it. I would absolutely go and watch a game again there. I've been to two games in Pittsburgh, and I don't think there will be a third. I cannot, (laughs) for the life of me, put up with the – I was walking around their main concourse, and if you've never been to to PPG Paints or whatever the fuck they call that shithole, it's actually a nice arena. I'm being (laughs) – It's funny because it's very – it's like the same architect that did Nationwide. I believe. Yeah, I know. I'm being a total dick. Like, but yeah, but that's okay. Like, fuck them. Fuck them. Fuck Pittsburgh. Right, right, yes, right. of course. Correct. So <laughs> you walk down into the concourse though from the top, and so yeah. like I'm walking around here, like just like trying to like get a drink or whatever have you. And this kid, probably no older than eleven, just walks up to me like no words and just goes and just like <laughs> flips me off and just like right right in my face like I'm an adult man. And he's like. Just, I'm like, where are your parents? Like, th- that's right. the kind of mentality of a Pittsburgh fan that just drives me up the wall. Oh, they're um, trash. And I'm also yeah. like, other sports fan. Correct, other sports fan. So I'm a I'm a Bengals fan. I okay. like. Oh so shit. So there's like, I hate the Steelers. <laughs> right. I hate the Penguins. I <clears throat> Pirates suck, but fuck the Pirates. Like, I right. don't like have anything for for Pittsburgh sports. I just I can't do it. I just cannot. Good. Well, then you know we are we are of the same kin here, my friend, because. I cannot fucking stand Pittsburgh. I actually live in Wheeling, so that's an hour outside Pittsburgh. I play beer league yeah, with yeah. only Pittsburgh fans. Uh, you know, I play against Pittsburgh fans. Like, they're all fucking water trash penguin mouth breathers. And, like, <clears throat> you know, okay. Uh, of course, I think – I mean, I'm glad that you hate them because really, like, you, the, you have not suffered the strife of – a Caps fan that has suffered against oh, I'd lose the my Pittsburgh. Mind. <clears throat> right. And so of course they're, they're going to be forever. My most hated enemy um, for sure. And uh, to your point, I've been to Columbus's arena, sat down in the lower bowl when Ovechkin was playing and, and, you know, Columbus fans were very civilized, you know, they, they had both parents in the household or whatever growing up. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> But in Pittsburgh, the fucking water trash, I've, I've seen people just, I mean, back in the height of the rivalry, I mean, I've had guys follow me into a bathroom stall, which is weird, um, <clears throat> and just berate me yeah. the whole way. Yeah, just um, just real just yinzer trash. So, uh, you know, it's funny because like the, the, the Penguins podcast that I'm pretty close to is like tip of the iceberg. Oh, you've probably seen that Nick and Nick, uh, two quality dudes. Don't get me wrong, but fuck man. I mean, you know, if it's just like a deep, dark secret that they're penguins fans, I'm sure that people on the street would know, you know, Hey, you're a pretty quality person, but Ooh, you like the Pittsburgh penguins, major character detraction points there. Uh, and I say that with only love for those two, but 
Yeah, the um, <clears throat> and I'm sure that they would agree that a lot of Pittsburgh fans take it too far. But um, you know, the big thing you guys are in Ohio. Back in the day, you know, it was Cleveland fans were terrible. Like you wouldn't, you might not get out of the stadium if you went to a Cleveland game, if you're in Steelers stuff or if you're in the opposing team stuff, right? But I feel like Pittsburgh solely owns that in the hockey realm. Other than maybe Philly, but, you know, again, maybe Pennsylvania. I, well, and I think I, I put Boston out there too. I just hate every Boston sports fan too. Like that's like Pittsburgh and Boston are my two least favorite sports cities. So I hear you on that. Yeah, I – Man, I'm sorry you're that close to that city. I know. It's tough. It's tough. Trust me. Um, every time I go to Pittsburgh, I'm like, fuck, the city sucks so bad. I mean, it's <laughs> it's in a unique – it's definitely got its own look and everything, which, you know, no offense to Columbus, but Columbus is a very sprawling city and it's kind of just like a city, but like – and mm-hmm. and surrounded very closely by suburbs. But, you know, in Pittsburgh, you're like in – in the steel city. And then there's like three water trash rivers that are just highly polluted conjoining there. And it's just really like, of course this is how the city is. Right. Um, so it's an interesting city, but yeah, at the same time, you know, pass. Um, (laughs) all right, this, we could do a whole podcast on shitting on Pittsburgh to be completely honest. If you want to start. (laughs) Yeah. We'll be on next week. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) So, uh, so there's that, but, um, you know, uh, we're, we're reaching like an hour 10. I really appreciate you guys coming on. Um, is there anything that you wanted to like talk about? Any questions for me or anything? Like I know I've been kind of driving, but anything? Uh, you know, nothing on my radar. I just appreciate you letting us hop on. And, and you cracked me up when you when you uh, introed the show and said, <laughs> yeah, like they exist. We found them. Like somehow, some way we found the Blue Jackets fans. <laughs> but, um, but no, man, I'm just glad to be on. I It's been a blast. I could talk hockey with you all day. We'll absolutely have to have you have you over to our house one day here and uh, we'll get you on maybe. Um, hey, you know, we actually, I, we haven't figured out our New Year's Eve plans yet, but we might actually be at the game on New Year's Eve. So let us know. We'll figure something out. We, oh, we just okay. appreciate, yeah, we just appreciate yeah, being able to, to come on. Love to, love to grab a beer or something and, you know. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully not have you witness someone get hit by a car. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, um, actually, so all, it's not New Year's Eve. It's January 31st, so the end of January. Oh, January 31st. Yeah, yeah. So it's t- after Won't this. Won't be at that game. Won't okay. be at that game. We'll figure something out. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, uh, it'll probably be like an overnight type thing. So, yeah, let's. Uh, if you want to link up, let's absolutely do it and, uh, you know, take some pics for the gram. <laughs> but, uh, Make the network proud, but shows are coming together. <laughs> of course, of course, absolutely, yeah. Um. Okay, so well, just to wrap it up, why don't you tell everybody like where to find you and like all your handles and everything? Absolutely. So this is my job. He does the ad reads, so this is my job for every nice. single one of our shows. And I'm feeling calm, Jeremy. So don't worry, I'm not <laughs> going to mess it up. <laughs> I have two times I've ever messed this up, and they've been on crucial situations. So he gets to make fun of me for that. Nice. Um. But no, so we are subjectively speaking, spelled CBJ actively. Um, and you can follow us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at subjectively pod. We're also on Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok now on um, subjectively speaking. And yeah, we're on all major podcast platforms. If any of your listeners want to come on over to, to truly see, I mean, we have 150 episodes of blue jackets content so we do exist as you said in the intro 
Um, so yeah, just we we are open and welcome to uh, fans of all knowledge level, and we just have have a really open and inclusive welcoming space if you want to come on over to subjectively speaking love it love it caps fans definitely give them a follow you uh you need to know you need to know all these things going around the league i mean i'm sure that most caps fans are pretty differentiated as well so like you know i see a lot of caps fans following all sorts of team stuff so look for the columbus blue jackets in like three years to uh be be challenging for a cup as per laura here so you know we've got it on record if it happens you know you're you're definitely the first one of the first people to put it out there so good stuff Subjectively speaking, thanks a lot for coming on to the Capstrip podcast. You know, of course, if you need anything from me, let me know. But until next time, Caps fans, it's Hockey Troll and Subjectively Speaking, signing off. Hey, Caps fans. Thanks for tuning in to the official Capstrip podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL. Follow me, the Hockey Troll, at Hockey Trolling on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And follow the show's handle at Caps Chirp on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Special thanks to the Hockey Podcast Network at HockeyPodNet on social and thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. The Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. Check them out, or we're not friends anymore.